0: This is On The Grid, powered by theracetalk.com on mypodcasthouse.com. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of On The Grid, heard on mypodcasthouse.com and the radio show limited through Radiolemon.co. Another big week here in motorsport in Australia with testing occupying a lot of the discussion for TCR and S5000 ahead of their 2020 debuts at the Australian Grand Prix. We'll speak to young gun Zane Goddard, who raced around the streets of Adelaide in the Super 2 category and next week jumps into an S5000 around the streets of Albert Park. We're also joined by Aussie superbike racer Wayne Maxwell to have a chat about the weekend at Phillip Island, which saw the Jonathan Ray rain put on hold for another round. Richard Crowell and Dale Rogers from theracetalk.com to join us as well. But first, let's hear what's been making news here in motorsport, and we'll also hear from the people making the news. So the big story in the last couple of days is that James Courtney has left Team Sydney after just one round. Courtney was driving for the Wilkinshaw Andretti United team last season before teaming up with the former Techno Motorsport team this season, now known as Team Sydney. Courtney telling the Ten Network's RPM show on Sunday that the decision to move on was pretty much made for him.
1: Yeah, it was a big commitment that was made um, in the start, which, which was a big part of my deal. Um, and I probably let it go along, you know, unresolved too long um, because of a friendship with John. And after Adelaide, it became pretty evident that it wasn't going to be um, honoured. So, um, yeah, so enough was enough and I had to um, had to do what we did. Courtney saying he gave the team his all. Yeah, I was emotionally very um, involved and I think that's why I probably let it go along as far as it did without yeah. uh, pulling it up. So. Um, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, I wish those guys all the best, Team Sydney. Um, we'll see how they go. And Meanwhile, the 2010
0: Supercar Champion says the future is bright.
1: The crazy thing was within an hour I had three teams that are in supercars contacting me about, you know, things to be doing this year with those guys. Um, and then also other categories. So it's, it's been really interesting to see who's come out of the woodwork. A lot of drivers support from those guys, which has been, which has been great. It's... Um, Although we fight like crazy on the track, we are a little bit of a brotherhood, so, so that was cool. Thanks. Thanks, boys. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I've just got to work out how to put some food on the table now for the kids and I. So uh, we'll be right. right. We'll press on. And, like I said, there's been good interest. And what about his thoughts on the future of Team Sydney? Yeah, um, yeah I, I, I don't know. It's so, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, you yeah, like I said, wish them all, all the best. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's a lot of potential there and hopefully it's, um, it all comes out the right way.
0: TCR testing was held at Winton last Thursday and the results were promising ahead of next weekend's round. Wall racing Honda driver Tony Delberto set the pace, Delberto driving the number 50 Honda Civic Type R TCR, and he topped the timesheets with a 124.18, just 0.01 of a second, ahead of the Hyundai i30N of Nathan Morecambe. Morecambe was less than a tenth of a second ahead of his teammate and reigning series champion Will Brown. Delberto
1: happy with how the day panned out. Yeah, we had a good day actually, we got through quite a few things that we wanted to try and the car was much better than when we raced here uh, last year, so I think we've made a bit of an improvement with the setup and our philosophy uh, with the setup. So nice to be quickest today, but it means yeah, it doesn't mean a lot. So we're not. Uh We're obviously happy about it, but we know there's a huge amount of work to do uh, to stay there.
0: Meanwhile, Nathan Morecambe hopes to pick up where he left off in season 2019. We definitely ended the season really well and we want to come out punching
2: this year. Uh, Just improved my driving, Um, just really got my head around this car, been working on it on the off-season. Done a few tweaks here and there, just refining some
1: areas. So Definitely looking like we're showing some gains already. and really looking good and strong for the year. The S5000 class has completed its pre-season test at the Bend
0: Motorsport Park ahead of its first round in the all-new championship at the Formula One Rolex Australian Grand Prix, which of course is at Albert Park next weekend. 11 of the v 8 powered single-seat race cars were at the South Australian venue with a raft of new drivers sampling the cars for the first time. Now, while the teams completed six 20-minute test sessions over the course of the day, there was no official timing collected on the day. James Davison, who drives an Aston Martin Vantage GT3 in the block pump GT World Challenge America, has also competed in the NTT IndyCar Series, most recently in the 2019 Indianapolis 500. He says these cars do bring back memories.
2: Honestly, the moment I did the outlap, it reminded me of the Indy Lights car that I drove, which was a big, torquey V8 car, uh, the previous generation to what there is today. Definitely more power, but I would say less tyre grip, and uh, a lot of fun to drive. Really, I, I think they've achieved the right balance with what they've wanted to create here for the drivers and the fans. And yeah, I'm loving it. You know, we've been running on very old tyres, so curious to see what they're like on
0: on some better ones that aren't 400k old on the canvas. But so far, I'm loving it. Lewis Leeds is the series confirmed driver for Gary Rogers Motorsport. He won at Albert Park last year in the Formula 4 series and he says he's excited about starting an S5000 on that track.
2: When I was at Phillip Island it was a wet test day so you know, I didn't get to send it out of corners and stuff so now that um, we're here at the bend, you know, great track, flowing, great for these sort of open wheel cars so um, just loving it, you know, working with the team, uh, really grateful to be here with GRM. Uh, you know they're such an iconic Australian team and to to reach out to me and uh, to be involved in with them and even in this championship is just special
0: meanwhile with only a few days to go before the f1 cars arrive on the shores of Melbourne Aussie Daniel Ricardo is buoyed by his form in testing this year especially the last day at Barcelona
3: it was, uh, it was nice nice to put some put some soft ones on and and go um, I don't think I've ever done a 16 a low 16 around here so quickest I've ever been around Barcelona I've been coming here since 2007 so long time going round and round. but I finally finally got a good lap
0: Ricardo though realistic about where the team still stands in the pecking order Uh,
3: I mean it's testing you know it hasn't been like perfect all the way through and even now obviously it's, it's nice to see your name at the top but you never really know and we also know we're not the quickest car right now so it's nice to see your name up there but come uh, obviously come race racing we we know we still got some work to do but uh i think yeah yes yesterday was a, a tougher one for us i think we resolved a bit of that today so i think we're we're nearly there we're nearly there so uh it's it's been positive and even the the not positive parts i think have had a positive outcome so we've, we've learned
0: speaking of f1 another aussie is on the pathway oscar piastri He's on the pathway to the top flight of racing, having just signed a deal with Mark Webber's management, Jam Sports Management, of course, co-founded by Mark and Anne Webber. Webber will mentor the young Australian who has been racing in Europe, and last November, Piastri became the first Australian to win the Formula Renault Euro Cup title, taking seven wins, 11 podiums, and five poles in the competitive 20 race season. Webber says he's excited with the talent of his young charge.
4: What he managed to do last year, 3 leader was pretty special particularly as he took control of the championship and then the way he closed it out was pretty handy and also what I've really enjoyed has been watching him still take on his education and continuing to do a lot of normal things that kids that age are doing so the level of self-discipline and dedication that he's putting Monday to Friday into dovetailing his racing in and around his education is something which is to be admired at a young age and I think that he's going to be able to shift that focus 100% onto his racing very very soon which is only a positive thing for him as well so I like the quality like his attitude and the racing is what it's all about. Obviously, that's the bit which I believe I can help at pivotal times. He's a good story so far and a long way to go, but uh, he's working hard.
0: Oscar Piastri, happy to have an Aussie icon in his corner.
4: Yeah, I'm really excited to start working with Mark Mann. Obviously, I
2: think every person in Australia knows who Mark Weber is. though. yeah, pretty big name to have on my side in terms of how I'm going about my racing. Obviously, it doesn't change anything. My goals are still exactly the same, just I've got some, some very good people in my corner now.
0: All right, that's the week's news. Let's have a chat right here on The Grid. First of all, we get to say good day to Richard Crail, who joins us on the line, of course, from the theracetalk.com. Hello, Krazy.
5: Shebexter, nice to be with you once again. We're in that funny little period between race meetings where uh, we try and find some good storylines to talk about, and uh, I'm excited about what we've got coming up. We'll, all the news and information to dissect, but uh, I think our guest tonight is a good story from what happened at the Adelaide 500 last week. And what's about to happen at Albert Park in a couple of weeks' time? So looking forward to getting stuck into it.
0: Certainly am, and I don't know if you could get two more different cars than what this man has driven in the last couple of <laughs> weeks. They're both V8s. That's something, but I think that's where it pretty much stops. And they both have four wheels. Zane Goddard joins us on the line for a chat about his S5000 run at uh, Albert Park next week at the Formula One Grand Prix. Good day, Zane. How are you? Hey guys,
2: how's it going?
0: Excellent. Thank you, mate. First of all, uh, you had the opportunity to jump in one of these beasts at the Bend uh, last week. How did it all go for you?
2: Yeah, a bit of an eye-opener first session. You know, it's got a lot of power and just having your head out of the car and stuff again. I haven't driven an open-wheeler in a fairly long time, so no, it was a really, really cool experience. Got to go out with a few different cars last week. Um, Sort of did a little bit of a simulation race, so just a little bit of a taster for the Grand Prix, but no, I'm super keen. to. Going to be an awesome challenge, and they're a bloody ripper car to drive.
5: Uh, let's jump back a week, mate, and Adelaide Five Hundred. Your first main game run in the Supercars Championship, and a terrific performance by you and the Matt Stone Racing Team. Just reflect on how your debut as a solo driver went in the main game, and and that experience racing at the Adelaide Five Hundred.
2: Yeah, I was super stoked with how it went. You know, um, obviously something I've been working towards for a long time since I was nine years old. The, getting the supercar, so yeah, it was a pretty surreal experience, sort of pinching myself as the weekend went on, but yeah, we had a really good hit out, Um, you know, the Matt Stone guys really uh, worked well with me, sort of knowing it was my first round, and what to expect, so um coming away from the weekend T16, I was pretty stoked, Um couldn't really ask much more than that, get the car straight and everything, so yeah, it was a good debut, I was really happy with that, so um yeah, just got to do the same in Tassie, but now the focus is definitely on the Grand Prix and the s
0: so, Zane, for 2020, is it very much for you just a, an establishment year, learning the ropes, learning how it all goes, and then making a, a more serious assault down the track?
2: Yeah, 100%. The whole idea with the light is to sort of bring me and up to speed. I'm um, sort of working with each other. It's sort of a different approach, but from all that we've done so far, it's worked quite well. Um, my engineer, Tim Newton, has been absolutely awesome at sort of developing us, and he's had a lot of young drivers before, so he's been through it. And... Um, you know, the Stones have also brought for a lot of sort of big name drivers at the early stages of their career, like Shane and uh, Scotty McLaughlin. So, um, yeah, it's a perfect place to be. And I've been learning a lot, and I'm sure I will learn a lot more as the year progresses. But, um, yeah, I think i just got to be a sponge this year and just soak up all the experiences I can.
5: It's a it's strange situation, Zane, with this year because it's the first time since the REC model has come in, this licensed system in supercars where two drivers have been able to share the one car at various rounds. So it's a little bit of a unique situation and you guys are the pioneers. Is it a strange feeling knowing that you're not going to be doing all the rounds or you're more than happy to hand the keys over at the Grand Prix and jump back in in Tassie? What's what's the feeling like with this very unique, uh, unique scenario you've got going on? Yeah, it's definitely
2: slightly different. Obviously, we haven't seen this model before, so... Um, We're sort of learning on the way and I think a lot of the other teams weren't sure how it was going to work out but I think we showed in Adelaide that we're not here as like just the novelty that we're here to do it properly so um, Mm. no, it's a bit different but I I, I like the whole experience having sort of the two junior drivers sort of working together not sort of a normal teammate relationship where you're sort of versing each other because we've got to pair up for the Enduro so we want each other to be as sharp as possible so on that side it's been absolutely awesome But, yeah, it's a completely different experience. But on my side, I haven't done a full-on campaign in the supercars. So in Super 2, it's so spread out anyway. There's not too much of a shock to the system, not racing a race meet sort of thing. And, you know, I'm only one race meet into being in a supercar, so I'm still pinching myself that I'm even in it. So um, watching a supercar race still isn't that unnatural feeling
4: to me.
0: (laughs) So, Zane, if I could just talk commercially about the, the deal. Is it a deal where the both of you guys absolutely just spit the bills right down the middle in regards to uh, this car?
2: Um, sort of. So we've all obviously put the sponsors together. We've been really lucky to get Unit on board. They've sort of got the same business model and everything that sort of works as our youth look and all that. So that's been absolutely awesome. And obviously we've been lucky enough Personally, me and Jake to get our different sponsors that have sort of got us to this point. Um, obviously, it's not a cheap sport, and getting to supercars isn't easy. But um, yeah, it's definitely made the jump up a lot, lot um, more affordable um, than just going up the main game full time. Um, and it sort of gives us, I don't know, a pathway to just get ourselves into the supercars, so of get our names out there, and show what we can do. So um, from a cost side, it's been a way more achievable way of doing it. Um, which has been absolutely awesome. And yeah, I've had a lot of sponsors that um have stuck on board and I can't thank them enough for allowing me this opportunity. But um, yeah, Matt Stone and everyone at um, the team's been um, overly fair with the sort of pricing and how it's all been split and stuff. So um, no, that, that side of things, it all work out great.
5: And you mentioned getting yourself out there and, and showing what you can do. And, and that's what you did last year in super two. And, it, it perhaps came as a surprise to some people your year last year, given you'd spent a couple of years in open wheel racing in Europe um, after the, your two seasons in Australian F4. So you came back, Matty White's team, and made a real impact last year. How vital was that experience in Super 2 in projecting you up to where you are now?
2: Oh, 100%. Like, I think up until that point, my name wasn't really on the map yet in Australian motorsport. Um, so I think that definitely helped. Um, Having the double pole at Perth and all that stuff, got podium at Adelaide. So, yeah, the first start of the year was definitely massively crucial. Um, So, I started off the year strong, spent a lot of time second in the championship. Fortunately, my health sort of slipped away in the second half just because I had claims of a fever at the start of the year and it sort of had some implications that sort of uh, flared up towards the end of the year, but they're all gone, which is absolutely awesome. Um, But, yeah, like that was a really pivotal moment, sort of having those good first couple of rounds and it was good having a strong car under I me, mean, I've got to thank all the guys at might know the sport for last year, because that car was absolutely hooked up. Um, so, yeah, it really gave me a chance to sort of showcase what I could do. I
0: was fortunate enough to uh, call some of your races very early on in your career, when you were part of the Formula 4 Australia Series back there in 2015-16. Then you left us and you went overseas for a bit. Uh, take us through that experience. Uh, how tough was it racing around Formula 4 Britain and then also in the Formula Renault Euro Cup?
2: Yeah, so obviously I developed a lot when I was over there. When I was sort of racing in Australia, like I could put together some good lap times
4: sometimes. And I was just a little bit reckless, um,
2: as anyone is at fifteen years of age. You know, jumping from a go kart to a sort of heavy car and sort of just a completely different environment. So it took a lot of learning. Even the first half of the British F4, I was still sort of on that way, and then um, second half sort of took a bit of a step, a bit of a change of gear, and actually got the most wins out of anyone in the second half of the season, most points, um, most round wins. So second half of the season was absolutely awesome. The opportunity to race with Arden in the Renault Europe, which is absolutely epic. That was a fantastic championship. Got to race the tracks like Spa, Monaco, um, all the big-name circuits. So, yeah, that was an absolutely epic experience. Um Got to do that with a few more of the Aussie race car drivers that I'll actually be racing the S5000 this weekend. Um, So yeah, that would be cool in itself. But um, yeah, it was an absolutely epic
4: experience, and
2: I think learning-wise, it was the best thing I could have done.
5: So let's move on to S5000, and you had a skid in the Team BRM car at the bend last week, and by all accounts, you were very speedy, as you'd expect. Uh, tell me about the experience of driving one of those things, and they're a pretty wild animal to watch, so I can only imagine what they're like to uh, jump behind the steering wheel.
2: Yeah, they're definitely a unique thing to drive. You know, they've got so many different characteristics than anything I've driven before. Um, obviously, I've done open wheels before, and I've done V8s, and it's sort of a bit of a love child of the both, to be honest. Um, oh. Has, yeah, really strange characteristics um, that are quite challenging when you first jump in the car, but once you sort of um, get used to it and everything, it's just bloody fun to drive. You know, low speed, it's got so much grunt out of the corners and high speed, it's really feel. So, yeah, they're a bloody wicked car to drive and, um, you know, GRM's done an absolutely amazing job making them. They're really, really good quality and everything. So, no, they're a cool car and I think when we have big grid of them racing at the Grand Prix they're going to sound
0: absolutely epic and it's going to be a good spectacle. It certainly is a uh, it's, it's fantastic spectacle there's no bad doubt about that and uh, the opportunity to test at the Bend gives you a little bit of a similarity I suppose to what you'll experience at Albert Park that that free-flowing type circuit with some long straights and the like uh, yeah what you learned at the Bend should translate pretty well I would have thought to uh, next weekend. <sighs>
4: Yeah, for
2: sure. It's a very sort of European-style track, really open, sleeping corners, um, which is sort of the model for the Albert Park. Um, So, yeah, it it definitely translates quite well. Um, Obviously, it's going to be hard with the limited um, practice time before jumping into quali. So, it's going to be all about sort of learning the track as quick as possible. I know a few of the competitors have obviously been there before. But, um, yeah, I think if... We can get the car dialed straight away and learn the track, learn all the markers, that sort of stuff. Um could be quite racy. So, yeah, we can see see what we can do.
5: Now, when you say a few of the competitors have been there before, we should talk about that because they have definitely been there before because the Australian Grand Prix winner, you know, five Giancarlo Fisichella will be in the field. Uh, Rubens Barrichello, the most capped Formula 1 driver in the history of the sport, more than 300 starts, will be there. Alex Premat, who before he was known here as a supercar driver, was a gun open wheel ace in GP2 and in A1GP, where he won for Team France. He's going to be there, and the list will continue to build before the race. James Davison, who you'll be sharing a team with at BRM, uh, can you kind of believe you're going to be racing some of these these fairly major surnames in the world of motorsport?
2: Yeah, it's pretty insane when you put it that way. You know, I'm racing some of the old F1 guys that. Um, I remember watching when I was young. I think some of them were in F1 before I was even born, which is pretty really funny. Um, yes. But uh, no, it would be an absolutely epic experience. You know, you learn the most when you're up against the best and when you're challenging yourself against the best. So, um, yeah, no, I'm just super keen. It's going to be pretty hectic being out on track with some of those guys. But um, just like any um, sort of race, once you're out on track, you can't think about that stuff. It's sort of just fires you down and get into it. But um, no, it's pretty pretty epic.
0: And the Thank opportunity you, to uh, to reacquaint yourself with the guys at uh, Team BRM, also a bit uh, surreal as well after you uh, spent some time with them back in Formula 4 in the day.
2: Yeah, it's really cool. Um, it's a team that I did my first test with in cars and my first season, so yeah, it was absolutely epic to come back to them, to have Mark and Craig there and uh, my old mechanic, Shano, so no, it was a bit, bit of a nostalgic moment but uh, fantastic and yeah, you know, I've learned so much um and I learned a lot there and um you know that was a pivotal part of my career. you know when you're young, that's sort of when you sort of pick up the traits that you take on to later in your career, so yeah they were a pivotal part of who I am now, not as just a race car driver but as a person so um yeah it's pretty pretty cool to be back there and um yeah i'm I'm keen to work with them again. <laughs>
5: well i've i've got nothing else to add zane just really um fantastic job from last weekend i really really impressed with how you adapted to the main game and and you looked like you'd been there for some time so terrific job top rookie uh going into the next round of the championship and hopefully uh, no pressure on you on your co-driver, mm-hmm. but he's got a job to do to, to match the performance you had in Adelaide. So well done, and uh, best of luck for me uh, at the Grand Prix next week. That's going to be a really exciting uh, weekend and a little bit of history and Aussie motorsport. You'll be part of there with that championship kicking off proper. So uh, really cool, mate. Well done.
2: That's fantastic. Thanks, Adam. Awesome.
0: Good on you, Zane. Zane Goddard joining us here on the grid. As we continue with the show, Richard Crowell in our Adelaide studio, and joining us also from theracetalk.com is Dale Rogers. Good day,
6: Dale. Tony and Rich, how are you? Nice to be on the show again. Big no. week in motorsport. No, as, as, as HG Nelson would say, a week where too much sport is barely enough.
0: Oh, this was a massive week in motorsport, wasn't it? We all felt that things were not right at Team Sydney from their performance in Adelaide and the change of sponsors and all that sort of stuff. But I don't know if anyone could actually foresee what was going to happen just a few days after the actual – or a week after the actual uh, Adelaide 500, Richard.
5: Yeah. Unfortunately, it's all been a bit of a carambulage, hasn't it? Google that if you don't know what it means. Um, Yeah. And so James Courtney leaves the team a week after the opening round of the championship and a week before – the series heads to Albert Park for the Australian Grand Prix and round two. So, all of a sudden, Team Sydney's down. Its big name driver and and the driver that the team was built around. This was the the big impetus to get this thing up and running was that James Courtney, the twenty ten Supercars champion, was was going to be part of this team and the lead driver for it. And and he's walked away from that outfit after just one round. Um, and taking with him his sponsor, Boost Mobile, who had agreed to step up and sponsor his car at least at Adelaide and potentially for the rest of the year. So it's a massive turning point, and it's another another chapter in this rather unfortunate story that has basically continued a pace since this team was launched at Bathurst last year. Uh, for those that haven't followed it, there was a long-running wrangle over who actually owned. The rights to the team and then where it was going to be and the webs ultimately got hold of it and they were going to move to Sydney after the Adelaide 500. Um, Chris Pither wasn't announced as a driver even though no one everyone knew he was going to be there and he rolled out at the test day had a shocking test day um, last minute edition of boost at the Adelaide 500 and the story goes on there's many more layers to it than that um, but it's all been pretty messy and we unpicked a lot of it last week but now, all of a sudden, where I'm picking more because James Courtney's taken his bat and ball and walked, I've got no doubt he'll land a pretty nice enduro drive somewhere in the second half of this year's championship, but it leaves a hole on the grid and it leaves a really unfortunate taste in the mouth of people following this sport at a time when no one wants that to be a thing because we've got enough to deal with. So, uh massively, massive. Uh, challenging times for Team Sydney and where they go from here is anybody's guess
6: I think that the, you really got to look back to the history of Bathurst uh, Rich and Tony that what was launched was actually not real uh, and I, I hate to say that but it, it was it was premature the team wasn't in, a, in, in any way a structure that could go racing um, there was doubts about wrecks um, there was, as Richard just said there were doubts about ownership it almost seems as though to rush out the good news at Bathurst was almost the time when this whole saga began. There was, If it had been announced in December or January, at least there might have been the structure behind it. It, it To me, it, it, it just sort of fell from disaster to disaster to disaster uh, and very publicly played out in the media too, which is something I think from Supercar's point of view has, has been a bad thing. So interestingly, the uh, uh, Coca-Cola launched with with uh, all guns blazing at the uh, supercar launch uh, but there was some doubt about where the money was actually coming from not in terms of whether it was real but whether it was coke money or a major distributor money which of course had been backing chris pitha for many years uh, very successfully with the icebreak money that appears to be where it came from and yet Amethil have now had to make a statement to say that they are involved how involved they are though is the question because even when you read the statements that have come out of uh, Hill, they're involved with supercars, but they're already involved with supercars. They have pouring rights. Uh, they have other brands involved with supercars. So, uh, and of course, a red car turning to a boost car overnight at um, at Adelaide with a Coke, a black Coke logo on the back quarter of Courtney's car, suggested to the to the wider world that this thing really wasn't in any great shape at all. So. It's, it's a shocker for supercars. It's a shocker for the sport because we don't need this. Uh, you know, con- it might keep it in the headlines, but for all the wrong reasons. I guess the big question, though, is um, who is going to drive this car at Albert Park? Yeah, well, that is that
0: is a big question. And there's been a fair bit of speculation in regards to uh, what has happened at Team Sydney. Uh, one, one bit of speculation that I'll throw into the mix as well, and that would be the inclusion of Boost Mobile onto James Courtney's car for the weekend of the Superloop 500. From hearing what James Courtney had to say on RPM, it would seem that there was an arrangement between himself and also Team Sydney, and that would, I would suggest, be around money. James didn't seem to think that that was going to be forthcoming from the team. I would suggest that maybe the reason why Peter Adderton did come onto the uh, car was effectively just so James could actually get some payment out of it and then move on. It would seem otherwise James was going to be financially uh, out of pocket, I would have thought.
5: Yeah, look, there's almost no doubt that that what the reason James left was probably a financial one more than anything because ultimately the performance would have come. Was he going to win races? No, definitely not. But oh, he's got a 888 car, and if you can engineer that to 80% of the 888 cars, you're going to end up somewhere in the top 10, aren't you? So, um, yeah, there's no doubt. Look, we, we can speculate on all that until the cows come home, and, and that's probably not healthy, and ultimately – if there's budget, it really doesn't matter where the Coke sticker comes from. If it, having I've talked about this before, having Coke on the car is better than not having it because it's such a, a famous brand and it draws people to it. But it, it's just the process. It's the process, like Dale said, that this whole thing has played out so publicly, even to the point where media outlets this week have been speculating that Pitha was out of his seat and have subsequently had to retract that statement Um but but this is what this situation is doing. It's causing people to dig and causing them to dig deep for stories, some of which may not even be there, but it's all negative speculation. Um, and that's that's bad for everybody involved. So, yeah, I don't know where they go. As to the question of who drives the car at the Grand Prix, um, there's no shortage of reasonably qualified drivers. Um, finding one that doesn't have an existing enduro deal may be tricky or maybe there is a a loophole or a – a leeway one team can give an enduro driver and say, yeah, well, we'll let you go and drive that car for that weekend just to to get you some more miles, which are, are rare for endurance drivers. And we saw that last year with, with GRM, with Michael Caruso being let go by Tickford so he could fill in for the injured Richie Stanaway. Um, It's just messy. It's really messy and we don't need it because we're dealing with the Holden stuff. We're dealing with new speculation over what happens with Gen 3 and the critical steps The series has to make to move forward. And all of a sudden we get this lumped on it as well. When what we really needed was a stable 24 car grid and good racing. um, And then worry about all the other stuff behind the scenes. So it's just a bad look for everyone and someone, whether it's supercars, whether it's the webs or Coke, or I don't know who someone's got to come out and go, here's the deal. This is exactly what's going on. And the reticence of, Techno to speak to the media at any great length is really frustrating when you just want answers. Um, so that's that's the situation, isn't it? It's it's a frustrating situation.
6: Almost to put a full stop on it, though. Rich was, of course, uh, a very vocal sponsor. So once the bushfire uh-huh. was was perhaps even calming down a little bit, and the CFA were in putting it out, Peter had it and mm. launched into everything again to just to fire it up again. And uh, that's his way. That's the sort of character he is. But Again, it was probably, uh, uh, let's stoke the fire and get another week out of it because he was incredibly volatile in his comments on Instagram last week. But I agree with you. Um, uh, Supercars and Techno need to stop this. They need to put a, put a, a peg in the sand quickly. We need to go to the Grand Prix, put on a good show, yeah you know, there were some, some real highlights out of Adelaide. They're being dwarfed now by this. Um, you know, the Kelly Racing uh, performance in Adelaide was outstanding with the two new Mustangs. There were a lot of good things happening there, uh, uh, but they're, they're just not getting any traction because this is dominating, and I agree it has to be stopped.
0: Yeah, totally agree with you there, Dale. Well, let's look forward to uh, Adelaide uh, – sorry, to the Grand Prix <laughs> – For a little bit, and there's some you're right, there were some fantastic performances. And one that comes to mind is that of uh, Tickford Racing and the fact like they might have just uh, put their hand up to say, We're actually really going to compete and compete hard against Red Bull Holden Racing and also DJR Team Penske and give this a fair income crack.
5: Yeah, well, they weren't far off last year, were they? And, And last year, I think, was a real settling year for Tickford. They had that shocking 2018. But they in the off-season, 18 to 19, they rejigged a lot of their engineering. They settled things down. They changed some combinations, and it worked, and their cars were fast. Yes, they had the Mustang advantage at the start of the year, um, but they, they maximized that. They were competitive at every round with at least one or two cars. I think the competitive or the, the important thing for them at the weekend was that at, more often than not, they had all four cars, if not in the 10, very close to it. And that that for that outfit is going to be really important. And um, you expect Will Davison and Cam Waters to take a leading role in that outfit, Will Davison in the 23 Red Racing. It's a satellite team on paper, but in reality it's all part of Tickford. Um, you expect them to take a leading light, and they did, but Lee Holdsworth was solid. And Jack LeBrock's going to get up to speed in that car very quickly. It's a massive step from what he was driving last year. So that's going to be a big jump and he'll take a couple of rounds to get up to speed. But when he's there, I fully expect him to be a, a top six or seven contender on and off as well. So if they can know consistency and their cars are good everywhere, then there's no reason why they can't build as the year goes on. And by the time we get to Darwin or Townsville in the middle of the year, they are regular top three contenders like we're used to seeing from that squad. And they're playing for wins with at least one car are at every weekend and the sport needs that. We spoke last week about how important it is for Chas Mostert, Adam DeBore, and that new combo at Walkinshaw-Andre United to be good, not just for them, but for the sport, because as a game, we need them competitive. It's like AFL, they, you know, AFL needs the Collingwood Football Club to be competitive most of the time, whether we like that or not, because they've got the biggest membership base and the, all the corporate support. So the sport as a whole is healthier when they're competitive. And it's the same with WAU. It's the same for Tickford. They're the big money players. They're the high profile teams with the biggest support. So if they're at the front competing with DJR, Team Penske and Triple Eight, then that's good for everybody. So just cross our fingers and hope they nail it. Um, And all the pressure's on them. No pressure,
6: boys. Well, as a demon supporter, I can't stand that analogy, but I accept it. But uh, having said well, that, well, I don't like uh, it
5: either, Dale. Being an Adelaide Crow supporter and being on the end of a couple of preliminary final losses to the Collingwood Football Club.
6: But I think no, it I'll works. take your point. You're right. But uh, one of the great things I think that's come out of it is that that no matter what brand of car they're driving, Chas Mostert and Cam Waters seem determined to carve each other up again because they're they're little. Uh, Little battle in Adelaide was fantastic, and uh, that will continue. And I agree with you. I think think Cam is stepping up. He will be uh, really their their gun this year. He has to be. Uh, Will Davidson's doing an awesome job, I think, in the 23 car, brand-new car this year for him. Uh, And you're right. I think Jack will be – he'll just come on nice and quietly. Remember, Lee Holdsworth did the same last year. We were talking in in about June last year that Lee Holdsworth was, uh, dare I say, driving for his career. But yet, uh, the second half of the year, Lee came on really strongly, and uh, that that track assist car was in the mix as well. So, a uh, tick for there. And I think also with Walkinshaw, um, with Chaz doing a great job on the weekend. In fact, a stunning job on the weekend. Um, Br- Bryce Fullwood did a pretty handy job too, just quietly. He he uh, he proved that mm. he's got a place on that grid. And uh, you know, it's great to see these Super Two guys coming up year after year after year. And uh, and, and in the main, I, I say there's a couple of them props that, that don't make it, but in the main, the, the, the cream rises, and they're, they're absolutely ready to go into this uh, supercar field.
0: Now, Richard, as you're our insider into uh, DJR Team Penske, uh, having hosted their function in Adelaide a week or so ago, the uh, question to you, did you see it coming uh, in regards to Scotty McLaughlin and the fact that uh, Penske would like to use him in more than one IndyCar race this year?
5: Uh, so, righto, I host one media launch for the team at short notice because their original MC couldn't get there, and I was local. And now, now Shebex, Dale hasn't spoken to me at all outside of this podcast after that because he feels like I cut his lunch because he worked for the team for a long time during the hard times and, and started to get on the gravy train when Penske rolled in, and that was all wonderful. But all of a sudden now I'm persona non grata. So that makes me an insider, does it?
6: Correct. Yes, it does. Yes, apparently it does. And even though I interviewed Tim Sindrick, we'll, we'll, let, you, uh, we'll let you do the spin here.
5: <laughs> no, it was a very good uh, interview, by the way, Dale. We liked it. You can read the full interview on Um Oh, look, I, I don't think anyone is surprised that the team are offering Scott McLaughlin more IndyCar races this year. And, and they, it's not been finalised yet. We don't know if it will actually happen. But I'd, I'd put even money on the fact that it will. Um, the job he did in testing was so good and he knows that he's got more speed to find and the team wouldn't be saying these things. And they've keep in mind, they've got way more information than you or I because they've got all the data, they've got all the information, they've got feedback from Will Power, Joseph Newgarden, Simon Pagino. The bottom line is there are eight potential events he could do that don't clash Um, Two of those clash with an IMSA race and the crew that man that fourth Penske IndyCar are the Acura uh, IMSA um, uh, Daytona squad that run in the uh, WeatherTech sports car championship. So um, that would probably probably rule out two events where they clash with IMSA, where the boys that run the cars are busy. But um, there's no – it wouldn't shock me if he goes and does five or six IndyCar races this year. What better way to prep for – what everyone is anticipating to be a full season campaign next year. I I think it's brilliant. And all it does is just add more attention to what we're doing down here because, I mean, it's never been done before. A joint IndyCar supercar campaign, what a phenomenal thing. Imagine if he wins the championship whilst starring in a couple of IndyCar cameos. I mean, that's that's a phenomenal story for the record books.
6: I think, the, uh, Richard, that the, the, what they are doing, with Scott, is exactly what you'd expect from Penske. That They have a, such a strong culture with their drivers. Uh, and, and, you know, as you, as you said, I, I was fortunate to work with them for, for some time. But yeah, the drivers are, are really what Roger embraces. And when he has drivers in the roster that he believes, and Tim Sindrick and, and the other guys believe are coming up, they really embrace them and bring them on. And clearly they see something in Scott that they like um he he fits the Penske mold beautifully he's a sensational driver let's you know we, we I think Rich you said to me at Adelaide that perhaps we are seeing something here where we're not actually seeing it that he is you know he could be the best of the year by a country mile and and they've seen it and, and you're right I mean Will Power all the guys are down there Joseph Newgarden was there you know Roger Mears went down there to to look after uh, Will. so you know they are serious about uh, Scotty and uh, yeah, uh, his career is 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 well cast. Whether it's you know where it goes, and he's, he'll be a Penske driver until he decides to hang up the helmet. And uh you know, you've just got to pat him on the back. It's a sensational performance. Um, and uh, you know, just think back to uh, our old mate Marcus Ambrose, who when he when he vacated the seat, said to Roger and Tim, "That's the bloke you want." So, you know, mm. it's uh, it's a great story. And I agree with you. I mean, if if, if we can get some international coverage of Scotty kicking ass in, uh, in the U S whilst he's trying to defend his supercar championship, it takes all this, all this other rubbish away and gives, gives great stories into the media for supercars. But, but let's just
5: moderate this very quickly though, because what now we've seen a shakedown rookie test at Sebring, uh, one day of a two day open test, day one being rained out uh, and a rookie orientation on an oval. So, you know we're talking him up it's going to be a long process to become competitive and even if he's fast in testing it's going to take some time so we don't we're naturally going to overhype this because we all know Scotty personally and we all rate him and we all like him as a person so naturally we're going to give him a big up and we all think with our experience, that he can do the job, no doubt. But the, it, there are going to be some blips on the radar. I've got no doubt that he's going to go to a race and he'll have a shunt or he'll fence it in practice or something like that. But then we've all just got to recalibrate and go. Well, hang on, he's a rookie in open wheel racing. He's done some Formula Ford, and that's it. So yeah, I, look, I agree with everything you said. But we've just got to, I suppose, keep in the back of our minds that there's going to be some pressure on him, and um, and that. The, the road to being an IndyCar star may be a little bit bumpier than we all think, but uh, with the backing of that team, I think most people that know are quite convinced that he's capable of doing the job, which is just amazing.
0: Yeah, I'm sure he is. Dale, uh, F1 testing has concluded. The cars are being packed away and sent down to Melbourne. They'll arrive here, I think, uh, on Sunday, Melbourne time. Any interesting results out of testing? Uh, one that we heard Daniel Ricciardo talk about earlier in our news segment was the fact that he had never been around uh, Barcelona as fast as he did in his car on Sunday in that first session to the extent that he actually took the fastest time in that session on the final day.
6: Yeah, look, uh, uh, Renault have done well, Tony. There's no question about that. They've come on really quite slowly. They didn't do anything in the early, weeks of the te- early days of the test, but they came on strong second week. Um, yeah, look, there, there are some winners and losers here. Uh, Mac- uh, Mercedes have had some extraordinary reliability problems, which is so un-Mercedes-like. They changed three engines in the last couple of days. Uh, Two were sent straight back to the UK for uh, analysis. Uh, And Williams also suffered some engine problems using that Mercedes power unit. So a little bit of nervousness about uh, that. Obviously, the engines are never the same as developments and the way they are put into the new chassis is is an issue. So there is some nervousness around that. Um, Mercedes clearly... uh, you know the pick of the bunch. There's no surprises there. We, if you look back to last year, Ferrari came to Melbourne as being king of the kids in testing. Um, the fascinating thing this week, though, is that whilst last year we thought that the Ferrari had the power unit that that could actually take on Mercedes, particularly in a straight line, they couldn't. They couldn't hold the Mercedes at Barcelona this time in a straight line. So there are some issues there for Mercedes. And there's also talk already that if the thing is not as good as they think, they'll be looking to 2021 early in the season because the rules are so, so different. Red Bull, interesting. Um, they didn't – they had some problems, definitely had some niggles, and they came on pretty hard at the end. Max had a big go at the end uh, on a C4 tie, didn't quite get there. Uh, probably didn't show their hand as Red Bull often don't. Red uh, But I think in the midfield, the winner really there is Racing Point. Uh, They've done an awesome job in testing, and I think when you look at McLaren, uh, who probably have been overshadowed by Renault in testing, and uh, Ricardo, as you said, Tony, um, finished up in the top three and only 0.7 of a second behind Bottas in the Mercedes in the final times. Uh, But Racing Point also did a great job, Perez particularly. So I think the McLaren uh, sort of where they really finished Easily in fourth last year, uh, now that midfield really looks pretty strong because Renault have come on and Racing Point have come on as well. So some really good things have come out of it. Uh, Mercedes, yep, will probably come as favourites, albeit that there might be some reliability problems. Um, Williams um, ran more testing this year than they did last year by a country mile. Um, they've closed the gap to the back of the field, so let's hope that they can get amongst it. Haas were not really that strong. Uh Again, that sort of up-and-down seasons they've had appears not to have been that that strong in testing. But the midfield looks really with a racing point, uh, Renault and McLaren as the the battling for fourth. Um, And I guess we're probably just not quite sure where Red Bull sit against Ferrari. That will be the big one. But uh, you'd have to say that it's uh, Lewis and uh, and Bottas are coming here as favourites.
5: Boys, it doesn't matter because we're going to get to Albert Park And there's going to be 100,000 Formula 1 fans there. And what's going to happen is in the morning on Sunday, not that long before the Australian Grand Prix, some proper open wheelers are going to be on track. And 120,000 people are going to have their eardrums destroyed like they should when they go to a Grand Prix, but don't anymore because the current Formula 1 cars sound rubbish. And that's because S5000 will be racing there for the first time as a championship round. They'll be racing for the Alan Jones Trophy, Uh, The 40th anniversary, of course, of the 1980 World Championship. And for the first time, S5000 cars will be running with a brand new exhaust that takes the V8 engine exhaust gases out of four exhaust ports on one side and four on the other, twists and turns them, doesn't include a muffler whatsoever, and dumps them out just behind the rear wing on each side. They are the loudest, most remarkable things you've heard. They're going to make Formula One look really terrible. They'll be twenty seconds a lap slower, but it doesn't matter. They will sound faster, and they are going to make the uh, they are going to make that weekend and I hope convert a whole new era of open wheel fans in Australian motor racing, and that is what, as a purist, I want to see. That's my prediction. I don't testing is a waste of time. Let's go racing with loud, exciting open wheelers with limited grip, great drivers, and uh, that's my prediction for the uh, Australian Grand Prix.
3: There and you go.
6: Two Formula One, uh, two Formula One winners in the cars yeah. as well. Uh, Melbourne winners uh, Rubens Barrichella and uh, Fisichella will be driving the cars. Fisichella announced yep. today, so that's a that's a huge leg up for the category. So I agree, Rich They're fantastic cars. We, we've seen them now a number of times. Very exciting cars. Good grid. Um, and uh yeah i haven't seen a schedule yet i just hope that the grand prix corp don't put them on at nine o'clock in the morning
5: no no they're not they're it's not quite nine o'clock it's a bit later than that but um i do know that the s5000 Carrera cup races are back to back and they'll be the two best sounding races of the weekend um no they, look it's going to be great there's going to be 15 or 16 cars there's still one or two drivers not yet announced that will be announced before it and i bet they're announced before we actually go live but uh that's just our fate, um, that will move the needle even more. Um, From a sporting point of view, perhaps not from a household name point of view, but from a competitive point of view, they're going to be great. So this is a deep competitive field. There's 10 or 11 guys in it that I think are going to be super competitive. The cars are going to look great. They'll sound great. Hopefully the racing's good. Albert Park traditionally isn't a brilliant circuit for racing. Hard to pass. Um, not a lot of big stops after a long straight. So uh, unless you can pull a move off at turn three, it can be a little bit difficult, but I hope the racing's really solid, but they're going to look good. They're going to sound good. And and it's just, it's a great, exciting era for Wings and Slicks fans in Australia, because we've been crying out for something like this for a long time. I'm an unashamed fan of it and uh, cannot wait to see what this goes on. And that that new exhaust boys, it is earplug. Worthy when you're standing on the fence, they are so loud and you feel it in your chest like an old Formula One car. It sounds like a V8, not a Judd 3.5 litre V10, but it's properly loud, and um, that for mine is uh, very, very exciting.
0: Very much looking forward to it, guys. We're going to leave it there. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, look forward to talking to you next week as we do a full preview of what is going to be the 2020 Rolex Australian Grand Prix.
5: Thanks, boys. Looking forward to it. Grand Prix Week's always a good one. Let's hope the coronavirus stays away and the only Coronas we're talking about next weekend are the ones we're having at the pub on Friday night for the annual On The Grid get-together.
0: Which we'll give you more details about next week. Dale, good
6: on you. Talk to you next week. Thank you, Tony. Great to speak, guys. Look forward to seeing you at Albert Park next week.
0: Good on you, Dale Rogers. And Richard Crowell joining us here On The Grid. Stick around. Wayne Maxwell to join us in just one tick. This is On The Grid on mypodcasthouse.com. Well, while England might be saying goodbye to a prince, Philip Island is welcoming one back. The prince of Philip Island, Wayne Maxwell, joins us on the line to have a chat about what was a pretty special weekend. G'day, Wayne. How are you?
4: Very well. Thanks, Tony. Thanks for having
0: me. Thanks for coming on, mate. A great weekend for you uh, at the start of the 2020 Australian Superbike season. Congratulations.
4: Yeah, look, it's a dream start, really. Um, obviously, when I was left in the lurch at the end of last year, uh, with Pazuki, this opportunity came up and, uh, in my wildest dreams, and I never thought um, the first race of the year would work out this way. So, um, yeah, full credit to obviously everyone involved, and it's a great way to start our 2020
0: campaign. One thing that we did notice, uh, the grid, once again, very competitive in Australian superbikes, and, uh, gee, is any win that you take against some of that competition is, uh, is a good win?
4: Yeah, absolutely. It's a very nice, like, strong field. Like, there's guys, uh, um, everyone's really my championship as well, too. So, it's, um, yeah, it's very difficult. And, um, yeah, look, like I, I said, dream start, the, the first, of uh, racing with K-Tech Ducati was unbelievable. And, um, yeah, I, I couldn't be, uh, happier. And it's just, um, yeah, it's one down and, uh, six to go. I'm
0: jumping off a of Suzuki onto a Ducati, mate. The, uh, the major differences for you?
4: Yeah, look. Obviously, um, this is the first year of the Ducati with the um, V4 engine. They've obviously been traditional V-twin, but gone to the V4 similar to G P bike. And this has actually been inline for It's um, the power characteristics. It doesn't feel like it's um, making power. The Ducati, it's so smooth. But um, yeah, obviously, when you're on track with another bike, it's um, you know when you look at the laptop it produces it. Uh, yeah, very power friendly V four engine, and yeah, it's like a tracker.
0: I know you know Australia's tracks pretty well, but the fact that you open the season at Phillip Island on a new bike gives you just that little bit of confidence to go probably that little bit harder. Because I think it'd be fair to say that Phillip Island would have to be your uh, most favoured track and and probably your most winning track.
4: Yeah, definitely. Phillip Island is you know it's a nice. are going to win somewhere the place, but, um, you know, it's a good place to win. It's always a big crowd, a big event, so. Um, for me, I've uh, always had a little bit of a love affair with Island, so that's, um, yeah, just got a bit more after the weekend.
0: To have a round of the championship as part of the World Superbike Championship as well, that's, uh, there's a little bit of uh, motivation to just go that little bit harder too, I would have thought.
4: Yeah, yeah, all, always. Like it's, for us, um, you know, we've been a little bit stagnant with a lot of times in the Australian Superbike Championship, but with a few, uh, the manufacturer developing some models that are a bit closer to World Superbike spec. From a, from a standard version because of our regulation. It really shows the level here in Australia, as you mentioned before, when we stack up against those guys. It's um, not too far away at all in lap time. And um, yeah, bit of thought for the future, that's for sure.
0: So it was a bit of a change in tactic for you and the rest of the riders. In uh, three weeks' time, you make your way to Wakefield Park, a totally different track to Phillip Island.
4: Yeah, it goes from one extreme to the other. <laughs> I think it goes from the, uh, you know, one of the pretty much the best track on the calendar to um, yeah, one of the smaller you know, more technical tracks. But for us um, at yeah, Boost Mobile Racing with K-Tech, it's not really a drama. It's, you know, it's Troy Hurst-Poss's, uh home race. Um, he's pretty much been dominant um, there over the years, but for me, not, i am not been there in a race over the past, you know, however many years. So, yet to win a round overall, but beat him in a few races. So, hopefully we can continue that trend Come through and
0: good, mate. Your impression of the weekend down there at Phillip Island for the World Superbike? Some uh, some good crowd numbers coming through the gates and uh, some fantastic racing as well.
4: Oh, the racing was The atmosphere around, you know, people you know, people that were watching at home and went there. They would have been um, you know disappointed because the racing in front the Australian Superbike races or different the of it in the uh, World Superbike, it was unbelievable. The bikes were just tied together and they uh, were. Bashing bars, and it was yeah, a fantastic race, and it's a great way for them to kick off you know, their campaign. Also,
0: I think what did we have like three hundredths of a second or something separating first and second in both races?
4: Yeah, oh, it's so so tight. I didn't even know uh, who won the race there yeah, at some point. I was I had to like look to the timing screen because it was I couldn't see from my vantage point where it was. But um, yeah, it's a uh, it's fantastic. It shows the parity and. They've got the regulation right, and, um, yeah, so hopefully sets up for a good year. It's obviously, I'm a massive John Ray fan, so I would have liked to see him win. He's sort of, you know, we treated him as a bit of an Australian here, but, um, he didn't. So it sets up, um, a great year because so he's going to hit the ground running when it comes to, um, you yeah, when they get back to Europe.
0: Yeah, his teammate Alex Lowe, of course, leads the championship after the first round with 51 points. Jonathan Ray down in fourth, and you're right, Philip Island, he's very much made his home track as well, Uh, marrying a Philip Island girl, spending a fair bit of time down here in the summer and the place that he loves to go for the first race of the weekend. Has always started his championship so well. Interesting to see him starting from fourth position. One would think that he's probably going to be right because he's a great rider, but what it does flag for him is that it's pretty much on like Donkey Kong.
4: Uh, yeah, definitely. Like, um, I think Silverstone never. He's actually never. He's won a race here and done that, but he's never had a dominant weekend like okay. the some of the tracks in Europe. So I think it's one he wants to dearly win because it's one that he hasn't won, and it keeps eluding him. So, um, but, yeah. When I obviously spoke to him after the race, but he's very positive. It's you know, it's not as if he was um, you know couldn't couldn't win a race. He was right there. He set the pace, and um, yeah, probably worse for him than his teammate beat him, but um, I'm sure. I'm sure the tides will turn as the year goes
0: on. I'm sure it would too. MotoGP starting up also shortly. Of course, they've uh, cancelled their Thailand round. Uh, your thoughts on MotoGP this year? There's been a fair few changes. A few blokes have stepped to the side and some blokes stepping up. It's going to be an interesting year. MotoGP, yeah,
4: it will be a very interesting year. Um, I see also MotoGP class, I don't think, is going to go to Qatar for the first round. So for Mark Marquez, still trying to, from a couple of shoulder surgeries in the off season for him, he'd be relieved with that news. Um, obviously, um, you know a few flyaways would be better for him to get started, to get recovered, and bits and pieces. So yeah, look, I think um, it's a tough one because he's been riding uh, unfit at the first few uh, tests, so it's hard to tell on paper. And um, you know, we've seen last year the Yamaha's were quite good in early testing, but didn't quite have it in the race. So it's too hard to tell until um, we know everyone rolls out there, you know, get through their prototype and go to their you know, final spec for the um, year once engineer assess all the data. But it's um, hard to go past Mark Marquez. It's um, very difficult. I just hope it was, in, you know, obviously as an Aussie, we can see another step forward this year and win, a, win more than one race.
0: Yeah, I think uh, you're pretty much spot on the money there, mate. Thanks for your time, Wayne. Really do appreciate it, as always. Look forward to catching up again soon. No worries. Thanks for having me on. GKD rider, Wayne Maxwell, joining us here on The Grid. <laughs> That wraps up our show for another week. We look forward to catching you next week right here on The Grid.